Okay, we're recording now. Nice. Hello. 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 Hi. Long time no see. We did not spend 45 minutes before this was chatting. No. What are you talking about? Maya, haven't seen you in like... We've actually never spoken before. Hi. Nice to meet you. Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> All right. Some quick introductions, shall we? Uh, hi. So I I'm Hea. That's it. I am the director. Over here is the lovely, wonderful Maya. I'm the lead writer. Hello. Hi, Maya. Hi, Maya. Hi, Maya. <laughs> All right, wonderful. Hi. So, um, arc two is done. That's crazy. Are we feeling depressed? Probably. I hope so. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But not really. Uh, episode three <laughs> was very specifically <laughs> made to, uh, to make people feel Meant things. to make people cry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, Hello, hello, here in editing, uh, pitching in for a second because the intro got a little bit weird and uh, whatever. Uh, but you're listening to the ARC 2 Q&A where like in the previous one for ARC 1, we're going to talk about like story and production and characters and really fun stuff like that. If you haven't listened to the first one, uh, go listen to it because we uh, reference a bunch of stuff there. And if you have more production questions, they're um, better answered over there. Anyways, uh, enjoy it. Oh, first of all. Maya, we hit 10k downloads. We got to 10,000 downloads. That's so many. That's crazy. So many downloads. That's crazy. That's between August and the end of the year. That's that's six months. That's less than six months. That's less than six. We months. hit 10,000 downloads in less than six months. Ah, oh, that's crazy. That's so crazy and cool for us. Oh fuck yeah, it is. Uh, I was actually looking at the like downloads at the end of December, and I was hoping, oh maybe, hopefully, we can get to 10k downloads by the end of January. Uh, and we did it in like December, what, 26? Like three days to spare. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was the 28th. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. I saw the email. We have a production email account, and Hey and I both have access to it. And I always try to, if I see an email that I know that Heya is also going to need to see, I will, like, keep it marked unread. Or I'll, like, go into it and then I'll mark it as unread afterwards so that Heya still sees it. Um, and so I saw that email and then I marked it as unread so that Heya would see it. And then I don't think Heya, and then Heya didn't see it for, like, multiple <laughs> days. And then I texted him and I was like, did you see that we hit 10,000 downloads? And he was like, holy shit, we hit 10,000 downloads? <laughs> That's on me. It was really funny. <laughs> it was the holidays. It was holidays. We have a Discord server uh, specifically for the crew. Uh, we have one for the public. By the way, I'm going to leave the link in the description. Come join us. React to the episodes. It's always fun. It's always yeah, fun. If you haven't play. already, yeah. it's fun. Um, there's a bot you can play tic-tac-toe with. Yes. And uh, um, there's us, which I think is the most fun part. Oh, I agree. We Maybe. are amazing and wonderful. And uh... If you disagree, come on the server and tell us we're wrong. <laughs> There's also a weekly character uh, polls to see which character is the best. And Daniel always wins, which makes episode 16 um, oh. a thing. Hush. <laughs> Stop it. You bribed people. I don't know what trickery. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, uh, this, this uh, Q&A is going to contain heavy spoilers throughout. So if you're not caught up, please go listen to the episodes before this. because Go listen to the rest of them. Um, and then come back, and while you're wiping your tears, yes. you can listen to us joke about the ways we made you cry. Oh my god, yes. Um, what? Oh yeah, we have a, a Discord server for the crew where I post, like, milestones. And it's it's fun to see, like, every every quote-unquote significant milestone, I have it written down there with a date. 
like we have the date where we reached 400 downloads like that was miles away from here but that was fun and i don't think that i ever put there that we actually the first hit. one is 750 downloads um august 22nd we hit i think that was well, no monday august 22nd was um three days after the release of the first episode so, so. right that makes what? sense that makes sense that that was the first milestone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. look at yeah. us go man have we been killing it Anyways, let's let's move on to the questions, shall we? Yeah, let's do the Q and A part of this Q and A. Let's let's do it. Maya, do you have any funny acting stories or stuff that happened in recording booth? Interesting, stupid, something you'd like to mention? I think every single time I decided to just go off and improvise as Rhea. Um, here's the thing. Oh, there's I, so there's so much improv. There's so much of it because I like to disrespect my own scripts. I'd be reading the script and be like, damn. I have something funnier than past Maya. <laughs> and then I'd just start going off. And the goal was always to make Haya laugh. Because if I was making Haya laugh with the improv, it meant it was good improv. So then i just keep going. So there's like stretches of me improvising for like 45 seconds where I just keep talking until Haya laughs. <laughs> oh, there's so much improv. The, um, in episode 15, the actual line before the poutine cut was really short. It was just like, there's no way we're going to go get poutine. And then when we were recording it, I just went off. And I was like, no, you can just go get in your stupid van with your stupid little microwave and your stupid little van bullshit. And I just kept going. <laughs> and then that was like... <laughs> I think that's my favorite improv. <laughs> that's, I think that's my favorite improv. I don't know if the entire show, but that is that is definitely up there. It's just... No, I think I, I, it just has a very special place in our heart. The I'm going to a fortune teller. <laughs> That is my favorite improv. Yeah, yeah, that is my favorite improv. I don't even remember what prompted that. I don't think I, I meant to be recording that. I think I was just kind of going off between takes. <laughs> we got it. And then it made it in. Um, yeah. For a while before episode um, five released, um, Haya sent me that clip when he edited it together. Um, and I fully saved it to my phone. And Alex and I would be just like, Alex being um, our senior staff writer and also my boyfriend, he lives with me. Um, we would be just going about our daily business and then we'd just both break out into, I'm going to a fortune teller. Gonna get my palms red. That's a, I think that's a cool thing about uh, the, the performers in the show uh, is that, and this is more in a director perspective, because all of the performers are just so acclimated to their characters. That it's so easy for me. I am the one that usually... Uh, we all really got to know our characters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so super easy for me to just kind of go through... Because we normally record kind of like per acts. And we just hit record and just read the lines, read the lines, read the lines. And then stop recording after a certain amount of pages. But that means that every once in a while uh, we're doing lines. And then we just pause to talk about some stuff. Some random stuff. Which I need to edit later and I hate that. But I also love that. <laughs> Because Haya and I are really guilty for it in our yeah. recording sessions where oh it's just the two God. of us. Normally normally Haya just records on his own because he's directing himself. But when mm -hmm. we're recording real lines and it's just the two of us talking, mm -hmm. we will record for hours and have like an hour's worth of actual lines mm -hmm. at the end of it. It's really funny too because sometimes it's like I, I, when I'm editing those lines, 
because of course Maya recorded it in their own microphone, I can only hear Maya's part of the of the conversation, right? So sometimes it's like, oh yeah, line, 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 and then I hear, uh huh. Do you want me to do it again? Okay, okay, and then silence, and then Maya just breaking out laughing, and I have no idea what happened. <laughs> and then Maya says something really stupid, and then silence. And then more laughing, and I was like, what, 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 what were we on? <laughs> what were we talking about? Jesus Christ, it always takes me like a we week. We were on very little room. sleep is the answer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's I'm sorry. 100%. Hey, but you don't have to do that anymore. Oh, yeah, I, I we don't. We finished recording Rhea, we and did. we're all sad about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we are. We, oh, we, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, by the time this episode releases, we have finished recording every single line in the show. I think there's going to be a couple of background characters that are going to come in closer to the release of the episodes. But we have wrapped Ana, we have wrapped Rhea, we I, I, we have technically wrapped Daniel. There is one line that I'm still missing. And I might just wait it out until we're almost done with the episode and just send that line and then that's it. You want, you want to drag it out as long as possible because you don't want to be done because then you're going to miss your boy. This is a call out oh yeah i miss him already jesus christ yeah well i miss him so much you have no idea hey if you join our discord you i say, did brutalize him yeah he didn't have a good time did he <laughs> anyways we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil anything um i was gonna say on the note of all of us getting to know the characters really well it helps that it's been like mm-hmm. such like a very deeply collaborative process mm-hmm. we do recording a lot of voice acting projects tend to have, like, the the actors just record the lines independently and send them in and then re-record things if they need adjustments. Mm-hmm. And we have a habit of doing recording sessions that Haya can give direction in time, and sometimes I will hop in with, like, a couple of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's made it a really deeply collaborative process because then actors who are not Haya or I have both co-creators at their disposal to ask questions or to like get extra insight into characters and that's allowed everybody to get to know their characters really well it also helps that um when it comes to Rhea it helps that I write Rhea (laughs) so I know her so so well (laughs) oh yeah um and when when I had started writing Rhea for the character trailers and for the first couple episodes I wrote those episodes without knowing I was going to be playing Rhea because it, it wasn't my intention to play Rhea at all uh going in and then we ended up using me because I have a decent amount of acting experience and I was available. Um, oh, you, you, you popped off, bestie. <laughs> Thank you. You, oh my God. I was so nervous. Yeah. I asked Hey if I could audition and he was like, what the fuck do you mean? You're not auditioning for your own show. Just do it. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really fun because like, um, again, when Maya started uh, recording Rodex, Maya didn't have any background on voice acting. I had some film acting experience. I have a lot of theatrical acting experience, but no voice acting. So I remember like recording the, the, the character trailers. Uh, it was a lot of trial and error to try and kind of get our flow. But if we compare those first kind of recordings that never made it into anything, 
uh, to like the further episodes. Messi, I've seen your journey. In that journey you <laughs> took, in like like you were fucking running in an Olympic thing. You were just <laughs> soaring. You just got into the groove so fast. Thank you. And it's just so easy to record with you because there's, there's you just know what you're doing. And I just that that that's a cool thing about working with people in Rodex. Everyone knows what they're doing. My it's job on. is minimal. <laughs> My job is just going. Say that again, please. That's it. Everyone just knows their shit. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love that. It's so much fun. Thank you, Bestie. So many great performances. All right, should we move on? Yeah, you're welcome. We've spent 15 minutes. Yeah, oh, I don't remember question. what we were talking about. Oh, um, oh boy. Uh, oh, yes. The last question, production. Um, I believe Brain Rights asked this. I can't find the the actual question. There was something about um. With. Oh, yeah. were there any were cool there plot any points? supernatural creatures you really want oh, to explore? that is a different question than I thought you were Oh, that make. one, yes. Reference the cool plot points. We can talk about both of them <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Um, so cool plot points. Um, I, well, I'm also biased. All the stuff I wanted to get into the show, I managed to fit in because I'm the writer. <laughs> so I, I also didn't have, <laughs> going... <laughs> Going into it, I had a couple of things that I really wanted to get in structurally. Um, like having a really strong midpoint for the season was important to me, which is how we ended up with the Where's Lorena episodes, um, episode 10 and 11. Um, um, but the one monster I had, when Hay and I were first talking about the concept of the show, this um, this was January of last year now. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on a phone call while I was on big, I was on a trip with my parents um, and we're on this phone call and we're talking about the world building and everything. And I had this like very strong mental image of like just an eldritch horror tooth fairy. And I pitched it to Haya and he was like, um, I don't know. And then I just kept pitching it to him. <laughs> and then I wrote it into an episode and now it exists. But it was just this idea that I latched onto so hard where I was like, it's this world with all these like cool supernatural things from every, like every single mythos. Like we're not we're not picking one and sticking within it. And it makes sense to me to have a couple things that people wouldn't necessarily think of as a horrific concept. But when you think about it, the tooth fairy is terrifying. <laughs> the tooth fairy breaks into your house while you sleep when you are a child, steals oh teeth from underneath your head, leaves you some chump change, and then just, just leaves them. Those teeth could be used to identify you in the case of your untimely demise. And they're stealing them. And I just, I think it's a horrifying concept. It definitely fucking is. Jesus Christ. The, the cool thing about the Tooth Fairy is that uh, we were talking about it, and it was a really cool idea. And then we were like, oh, we could put it in episode six. That was our first monster, right? And then we were like, no, I think something more personal should be better as the first monster, yada, yada, yada. And then, oh, we should put it in episode nine. And then we were like, no, I think this is the... No, so we kept, Maya kept either. pitching the Tooth Fairy, but we couldn't find a way <laughs> to fit it in until... So the, ra- the Rakshasa from episode six, or Rakshasa, however you want to say it, um... It particularly arose because we wanted a creature that could Mm -hmm. emulate one of the characters for the very specific Mm -hmm. factor in episode six. Um, And uh, no tooth fairy lore has that included. Um, So it kind of got put on the back burner. And then episode 11 needed Mm -hmm. a monster. Um, And we didn't have anything. Nobody had it yet. I was like, let me have a tooth. I'm gonna put. It's tooth fairy time. It's tooth fairy time. And then we were doing notes on the episode. 
I went ham with the tooth fairy thing. And then on the first draft, when we were all giving notes, everyone was like, can we dial it back a little bit? And I was like, <laughs> why? It made it better. It was a good, it was a good, it needed to be dialed back. But I, I, sometimes you have to kill your darlings. And sometimes those darlings are horrible tooth fairy jokes in the middle of a fight scene. Yeah. All right. First, first one was it, uh... Do you have any fun, interesting stuff to mention from the... Yeah, from the writing room. Don't go ham. The new episode six. <laughs> new episode six. Every episode six was our baby. I... So the process of writing the first arc was very different from writing the rest of the show. For the first arc, I wrote all of the um, outlines. So it was me from start to finish. That was not sustainable. Alex ended up working with me to do outlines from episode seven onwards. But for the first six episodes, I was writing them. And so all of it was leading up to episode six. And episode six was my baby. And I had spent so much time on the first draft of the script. This is going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn so hard. But it was almost production ready on the first draft. There were very few tweaks that we made. Um, So then that was the legacy. (laughs) And every episode after that, I think nearly almost every single episode after that, someone in the writer's room would say, oh my God, and this is the new episode six. And that meant, that was meant to say, oh my God, you got the suspense just right. The character work is great. And this isn't going to require any huge, like monumental structural changes to the script. But it did mean that there was literal episode 20 had notes that were like, this is the new episode six. And it was, <laughs> it was really deeply funny <laughs> to everyone. But I did, I was overdramatic in the writer's room. And I'd be like, <sighs> I'd type it out. <laughs> and so I have this like, I have this fun little catalog of screenshots of my notes from every episode from seven to 20 of new episode six under Haya or Nelson or Alex's names. Um, it's one of the funniest gags from the writer's room. Speaking of gags from the writer's room, Nelson's fired. <laughs> yeah, we have fired Nelson. I think more times that we've hired him. So he's technically like four <laughs> times fired besides being uh, hired. Uh, this is obviously a joke. He was yeah. never legitimately fired. He was never Let's, legitimately yeah. fired. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it's really funny. Nelson and Alex and I are all friends from film school. Um, well, all four of us are, but um, the three of us were in the same program. We were in the same classes. Um, I think we have we have a group chat that has the one picture from How I Met Your Mother, the salt, pepper, and cumin, or that you know the picture I'm talking about, Haya. Yeah, I know. Um, we're the Holy Trinity. It's our whole thing. Um, and so when we needed another staff writer in the room, um, Nelson was the first person I thought of. He's great with writing dramas. He's really great with building suspense. He's a phenomenal writer. And so I had contacted him and I was like, hey, buddy, how are you looking for a cute, quirky little gig? Um, and then he applied. I made him apply. I made everyone freaking apply to the show. <laughs> I did not give anybody free nepotism passes. They all had to send me their resumes. Um, and we we hired him and we started working with him. And then it became very easy to just make a joke about how, well, you're the newest writer. So for, for last one in, first one out, you're fired. To the point where... We had these mini prints that we sent out to um, Indiegogo supporters um, that were the poster for the show, and then Hey and I had signed them. Um, and we had a few extras, um, so Alex and I have one, and Nelson got one, and on the back of Nelson's was written, you're fired. And we still fire him from time to time. It's a fun little throwback. We rehire him by the end of the meeting, but he's fired. <laughs> now, Sometimes so we... If you're listening to this, 
You're fired. Oh yeah, you you are double fired. Sometimes we forget to rehire so him fired. and then fire him at the next meeting. Yeah, Nelson. Um, so Help sometimes he's been multiple. He's he's been he has negative jobs. I think right now. <laughs> um, like net net negative. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any other funny anecdotes from the writers' room? Hey? I do actually. Um, I have two. First of all, uh. It, when talking about Bria's uh, character journals, which, by the way, we we have Bria's character journals, one like entry per episode, uh, and we post put put them on our Patreon. They're fun. They're cool. They're very in character. I love them. There was this one time where there'll I... be a few episodes. Sorry, there'll be a few journal entries from between episodes. That'll be fun. We're working on those. But yeah, send them for a Patreon. Um... Yeah, please. <laughs> There's a lot of cool stuff there. Anyways, um, I, I really, I, I have really fun memories of the one time where uh, Nelson had written something about Rhea liking Taylor Swift, and all of the notes in um, <laughs> from from the writers' room were, "Oh, Nelson, it's great. Uh, we love the entry. Rhea doesn't like Taylor Swift. That's an A." And then the other person would be like, "Oh yeah, I also <laughs> I, the only note that I had was the same thing." <laughs> Bria doesn't like Taylor Swift. It's an A. And all of us, the four people that said that, were staying to Nelson. Bria doesn't like Taylor Swift. That's an A. And we had already told Nelson. Nelson was already aware. But he kept writing every single time. Not Bria! An A! An A likes Taylor Swift! And I just... <laughs> it's just a really funny... Uh... I also felt so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah, um, that's a good one. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit about building the story for arc two, because it was a very interesting process. We didn't do the same thing for either other arc. Um, So for arc two, um, building the full story for the podcast, I think we talked about a little bit in the arc one creator Mm Q&A, but um, Haya had brought me an idea and I basically was like, okay, if we have 20 episodes, I'm splitting them into three acts. And we're going to build out the structure of the season from there. And so we, coming out of arc one, knew what was going to happen in arc three. And we knew the midpoint of arc two and we knew the end of arc two. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have all those little gaps in between figured out. So I basically one day said, okay, everyone go home for the week and come back next week for our writers meeting with um, pitches for episodes. And so I got everyone's pitches for the episodes, and I took them, and I Frankenstein them together into a new document, mm-hmm. which was my, my pitch for arc two. And then we workshopped that a little bit. So I brought it in, we gave notes, we talked about which episodes A plots and B plots worked, what didn't work, um, what we wanted to move around, and then we I redrafted it, and that's what we worked off of. Um, and so some of the stuff that happened... I think pretty much everything that happened in arc two when you had to happen, it was about trying to f- figure out how it happened and the order and how they get from point A to point B. Um, and so one of the really funny things that came from that is the Galliano Island episode, um, which is a penis island. And that is a real island in BC. Um, it's shaped like a penis. Yeah, Google the map. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, Google the map. Yeah, it's email with someone being like oh my god I can't believe you drew this map that's so funny and I had to break it to them that was a real island and that was a real map and I didn't draw it and my god I wish I were that creative <laughs> but no that's a real island <laughs> um but it was the the plot for the 
arc was always there. It just it was just kind of jumbled, and we had to like kind of rearrange things and refine things. And I think it all came together really well. I might be tuning my own horn there, um, but I'm really proud of the way it all came out. Um, one of the things that emerged was episode 15 being a fair episode. Mm-hmm. So we had there were a few moving parts here. One, Haya, um, Henry, who's our first AD, and Haya's husband. Um, Alex and I had all been to a fair in Bellingham, and we were like, oh my god, this would be such a great place for an episode. Um, we went, we did that right after I graduated and the first episode released on the same day. Uh, then the next day, uh, we, Alex and I picked up and went to Bellingham. Um, it was a very fun weekend. We had a lot of fun. I got a Mr. Snickers stuffy and he sits next to me. Yeah, we have the same one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love those boys. They're, they're chilling. I love him. Um, and so we, we had that fair evening and had a lot of fun. And we're really thinking, like, man, we should we should write this into an episode. And then the other moving part here was that in the Indiegogo um, rewards, one of the things had been um, you can name a dog or some other animal of your choosing. And my parents had both bought that reward. And my dad, ever the creative one, said, name a pig piggy. I want to point out this man is an award-winning author. Dad, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I am still shaming you. Um... <laughs> And my mom named a kangaroo um, Ruby Roo. Mm-hmm. And so we had these two animals that we didn't know how we were going to fit into the story, but we had promised that we would. Mm-hmm. And so where would you find a random petting zoo? Maybe at a country fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one of those ideas that emerged very, very quickly mm-hmm. in building Arc 2. Um and I'm very, very glad we went with it. I'm very mm-hmm. glad we took that idea and we ran with it because I'm very proud of how that episode turned oh, out. It was yeah. brutal to write. Um, I had such a hard time um, with episode 14 and on because it was such an emotional process. Um, because if, you, if you've listened to the rest of Arc 2, you know that it ends on a very heavy note. Mm-hmm. And when we were... when. Hey, a year ago, when Hay and I were first plotting out the season, I had told him that there was going to be a midpoint, and that was going to be when we turned hard into the dramatic horror aspect. Before that, I knew it was going to be light and funny, because that's who I am. Um, that was the fun and game section of it. And after that, it was just, it was going to be heavy, and I knew that going in. But, oh man, it is so different to know something's going to be heavy, and then to actually go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was such an emotional process, and there were weeks where I was writing two episodes at a time, and just sitting in bed all of the time, crying to my writing playlist and writing these like horrible gut wrenching scenes. The um, the I love you, Tayamo. I love you. At the end of episode sixteen, I had to I had to like shut my laptop and sob into a pillow for a while. Oh, oh can I um, can I add on that real quick? Um, just for yes, go for it. For people who aren't aware of the Tequero versus Tayamo. Uh, I don't know why I said that with an American accent. The Takiro versus Tiamo. Um, <laughs> Take Takiro. Um, so in <laughs> <laughs> in Spanish, there are two ways to say I love you. Um, they're Te Quiero, which is very much kind of like the lighter version. It's how Daniel first says I love you to an A. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lighter version of it. So it's kind of, it's the one that you use for like, and, and of course, every person is different. I, I'm, I've seen a lot of, well, I haven't seen, i met a lot of people that use the, the second I love you with like random people, like every, everyone's their own. Um, but Te Quiero is supposed to be more kind of like for 
just friends or kind of like if you're in a relationship is the first kind of step before the big I love you. It's kind of like, oh, uh, I like you and I, I have affection to you, you know, but but it's not like a deep It's bond. love you versus I love you, to my understanding. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a great way to put it. Te amo is kind of what you say to... Uh, I honestly have said it to only very few people in my life, and that includes my parents and my husband. And my, my cat and dog, but that's irrelevant. Um, <laughs> uh, Is it? I also am a... Is it? No, I, I love them very much. Um, I am a person who's very much kind of like... I'm not the the best emotionally, you know? So for me, saying te amo is a very hard process to say. Uh, even with my parents, sometimes, it is hard for me to say te amo. Uh, so it, it needs to come with a very... It's a very personal moment to say it. So I knew from the very beginning that if Daniel... If, if Daniel was going to have some last words, that was going to be it. Q&A. Damn. And then it was. He had pitched he had pitched the idea to me, um, I think around episode eleven, before uh Anae and Daniel said I love you to each other. And um he had said that he wanted it to be um Tikuro for like the first I love you and then Tayamo for like the last I love you. And then I ran so hard with that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my god. That is something we never explicitly, like, explain in the show. So I, I wanted to make sure that people who aren't Spanish speakers knew what that meant. Because hopefully that's going to make you cry even more. I don't know. Maybe. The part, <laughs> it's, it's very the part that makes me, the part that makes me cry about that is the way Anae, like, brushes over in the moment, not, like, clicking, like, cluing in on what it means and just kind of goes, I love you too. Anyways, and keeps talking, not realizing that those are his last words and then realizes it at the very end and then says Teyama to try to get him to say it back. That's the part that always kills me. Originally, the first time I wrote it, it was, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then I thought about it for half a second and I made it, I love you, Teyama, I love you. And then I had to call Alex and get him to come home from work with like ice cream. <laughs> it hurts, man. It hurts. I'm unwell. Um, I love them. It. Oh man. We'll talk a little bit more about those. There's been that trend going on on. Yeah. There's been that trend going on on TikTok. The like, who would sit the longest at your grave? <laughs> and I've been thinking about that so much with Daniel and Anae. Ugh. Anyways, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Say what you're gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say we're we're gonna we have a very specific time allocated to talk about all of episode sixteen because there's so much shit to talk about that episode. But we're uh, we'll get for more writing questions first. Um, oh yeah, the characters. Yes. Um. So uh, one of the questions was about how we built the characters, and one of the questions is about how easy they are to write and who was harder and who changed. Um. And I think we've talked a little bit about how the characters changed from concept to mm -hmm. episode, but I want to talk about a little bit about how they morphed through episodes, mm -hmm. um, just their character arcs and in the way I was writing them and their voice. Um, the characters that are the easiest to write, I think, is honestly the main three. I have to cough real quick. Cough. I'm back. <laughs> Uh, the characters that I think are the easiest to write are the main three, um, because I write them so much, and especially because I'm in such frequent contact with the actors. Um, I'm with myself 24-7. I know it's a shock. Um, 
And Hay and I are besties. We're broskies. We're pals. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Broski. Um, and I, and we both talked with Thomas a lot. And mm-hmm. Thomas is now a part of our regular D&D group that I DM. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're all in pretty frequent contact. And so the fact that I know the actors really well... And um, I know the characters really well because they've been there since day one. It makes them really, really easy to write and really easy to to know exactly what they would say and how they would react. Um, I don't have to do any guesswork there. I don't have to like think really hard about it. It feels very natural to write them. Um, the hardest character, I don't, I don't, I think maybe Jaden. Um... Just because there's so little of him and he's such a strong personality and it's... I did a lot of fine-tuning on Jaden's dialogue anytime he appeared in an episode to make sure it felt just right and that I was getting the dynamic. Because I have a tendency to write characters with very complicated feelings. Um, And Jaden and Rhea especially have a very complicated relationship. um, Given that she was in love with his girlfriend. Um, And it was really tricky to write that in a way that I I wanted I wanted Jaden to always be very sympathetic and very human and very just some dude who's caught up in some shit he did not want to be a part of. He is very much just kind of an innocent bystander and he he suffers the most out of any He I think he has the most tragic story in that he is the most innocent of the characters and he suffers the worst fate. Um I think I think the way he dies is so brutal. Um and it's it's very tricky to write that, especially we when we first set out to write the season, didn't it wasn't like an explicit intention for him to die. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. Like we didn't we hadn't decided, but then when the decision became he's going to die in arc 2. Oh man, it became so hard to write him because you get so little time with him and it still had to be like a really emotionally hard-hitting death. Um, I just spent so much time on him. All the time. Every time I was writing Jaden, I spent so much time on him. But then we were really lucky we have, um, Gerald, mm-hmm. who's fantastic at voicing him and bringing him to life. Yes, and yes. it makes it so much easier. Especially, like, getting Jaden in, or getting Gerald in to play Jaden made writing Jaden so much easier. Because then having a voice and a personality to attach to the character that I was starting to get to know really well helped build it out. And I think it became easier for Gerald to play as well. Once we had recorded with him. Um, yeah, 100%. And then uh, the ones that changed the most from early concepts, I think, I think it's Daniel. <laughs> Daniel changed a lot. I also think Daniel changed a lot from concepts to episode because we did a lot of workshopping of the relationships of the main three. And then in actual, like in the writings of the episodes, I think Rhea maybe changes the most because I hadn't written her with myself in mind. Um, and then once I knew I was going to be playing her, the way I was writing her changed kind of subconsciously. Um, but then she became a lot like me. Um, and also a lot not like me. And so there are parts of her that are very, very um, simple to write because they are my instincts. And there are parts of her that are simple to make the decisions for, but difficult to rationalize because they are the exact opposite decision of the one I would make. Um and so it was really, it was really fun, but really challenging to kind of have her change as a character and also not change in a lot of very important ways. It's the trick of 
making it feel like she's evolving through these episodes, but she is always backsliding and getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she gets really bad. <laughs> she gets borderline unforgivable, I think. Um, oh, and then I think, sorry, I'm just going off about characters now. Okay. This is my bread and butter. <laughs> Lorena, I think, is a very interesting character. Um, specifically in, and there's a little bit of conversation about her in our that you'll get to see. But, um, we've had a lot of conversations in the writer's room about how sympathetic of a character she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that changed the most, because is that we always knew that Lorena was a very important piece of the puzzle with the mystery. Um, and we always knew what part of that puzzle it was, but I think she became, specifically while, we, while I was writing her, I think she became a lot more human. Mm. Um... And so there are a lot of debates all the time about who, who thinks she's sympathetic and who thinks she isn't. Um, the What any mother would have done mm-hmm. is definitely just me advocating for her and being like, no, she was doing her best. <laughs> she was just doing what I think anybody with that kind of like maternal instinct would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you got to support women's wrongs. <laughs> Not all the time. Maybe not in her case. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the villain. But um, that one changed a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts, Hale? Um, You know what? I actually do. Uh, this is some interesting stuff uh, when it comes to not only performance, but also um, editing of the characters. Normally, when we, we record the characters, of course, right? Um, we record them all together, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we get about three takes per line. And then I do the, the job of assistant editing. Also, Drew uh, Drew helped a bunch in this season. So thank you so much, Drew. If you're listening to this, you thank are you, Drew. amazing. Uh, <laughs> love you, Drew. Yeah, because it's a, it's, a, it's a very simple process to do once all the lines are cut. But if I am cutting the lines and I'm also arranging them and I'm doing a pass for... Um, What's it called for for pacing? That is kind of what what gets me. I, I spend way more 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 time doing editing than directing. Uh, anyways, whatever. Uh, something that I started changing when came... I would say that's an important part of your directing. But oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. The good thing about me being able to edit the things is that again, a lot of time consuming of cutting the lines, of assembling them in a timeline. When I bring back my directing is when I start assembling all the things for pacing. Because I do a general kind of pace of like, oh yeah, this is this line goes A goes first, B goes second, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of go, do a pass and then I add like the beats that are scripted. And I can make sure that everything is like, if, if the character, even if there's like a beat that's not scripted, but if the dialogue is just kind of, he says something and then there's a silence, and then he says something else, I make sure to kind of tweak around it so the, the acting sounds more natural. And that is something that I started doing more in Act 2, because in Act 2 is definitely where everyone just got a great grasp of the characters, and where we started seeing way more like um, character development and actual kind of the characters going through very emotionally taxing things. So that is where I started kind of giving the characters different ways and how they speak and how they talk to others. For example, and I don't know if I should talk too much about this, uh, but 
the conversations between Rhea and Ashley that happen. I'm gonna talk only in this arc. In this in this arc, in episode 15, for example, I made a conscious effort to try and make it so that Ashley is always. I would always kind of like overlap a little bit of Ashley's lines with Rhea because Ashley's just talking and not waiting for Rhea to finish. Ashley's just very mm-hmm. in charge of the mm-hmm. conversation. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Well, Rhea, I would always make sure to leave a like a second. Because Rhea is waiting for Ashley to stop talking before Rhea can talk again. So that was a lot of conscious uh, conscious decisions and a lot of effort on my end to try and make it so the flows of every conversation goes depending on how the characters see each other. Like, Anae and Daniel are very kind of, like, equal when it comes to talking to each other. Well, before they were interrupting each other a lot in Arc 1. Yeah, there was a lot of um, dual dialogue in Arc 1. Yeah, a lot of dual dialogue. Uh, in in this arc, I made sure to, uh, unless they were purposefully interrupting each other, but I made sure to always kind of assemble all the lines in a way that they would always, you could feel kind of the beat of them waiting for the other one to be finished before speaking. Uh, because they, 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 of course, got way, way freaking closer in this uh, arc than the previous one. So that was kind of my way of kind of shaping the characters along with the script make sure that it was reflected properly uh, it was a lot of work but i yep. liked it <laughs> i think you know Ray and i put our whole our whole film make gussies <laughs> correct storytelling i immediately hate that i said that um it's but it's out there in the world so <laughs> go me <laughs> digital <laughs> footprint um moving on uh, the hardest part of getting the relationships between the main three, right? I have so many thoughts on this. I will try to limit them. Um, because we have things to do. Um, but the two main parts of this um, were um, Anae and Daniel in arc one. Because we had to establish the enemies to friends part before the enemies to friends to lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a piece of action description in one of the episodes. I think can't remember which one but there's a little um bit of action description um where there's a beat of there's a beat of silence between um Anae and daniel's dialogue and it says a uh, very homosexual enemies to friends to lovers type beat um and that really that really is um the vibe yeah. and so the trickiest part of that was in arc one trying to set up the friends part and try to make it I had six episodes to get them to a place where they were just absolutely ready to go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, after, you know, having been going at it <laughs> um, in a completely different way. But um, spending three episodes with them fighting brutally and just being absolutely savages to each other. And then trying to establish a friendship um, in episode four, and then realizing that they're not so different in episode five, and then Daniel realizing that he really cares about Anae's safety in episode six. And to to the point where he would kiss him in episode seven, which takes place the same night as episodes five and six, it's really difficult nailing that. And I I still sometimes don't know that I did it the best that I could. Like, I still sometimes go back and I re-listen to those, and I'm like, I could have tweaked some dialogue here to make this a little bit more believable, but I'm also a perfectionist. Um, but that is the hardest part, I think, of writing their dynamic. And then having this relationship that is healthy, that you want to root for, that you that isn't... I didn't want to write a will-they-won't-they they mm-hmm. romance. 
for Daniel and Anae. I didn't want to write something super toxic and unbelievable. Because um, I hate that trope. Yeah. Um, I wanted to write something that was very easy to root for and to love and to be really excited about. Um, so it would hurt more when it ended. Um, but the hardest part of that is having them having had years and years and years of hating each mm-hmm. other and having them navigate a relationship in a way that felt authentic. That's really tricky to do. Um, and I think I did okay. But I still, like... It was it was difficult. And then um, I think the part that I felt more in Arc 2 was writing Rhea's relationship with both of them because they don't tell Rhea. She finds out on her own and they keep it a secret from her while she actively knows. And then she's bitter towards them for like pretty much the rest of Daniel's life. Um, and the, like it's just, it's this pretty consistent feeling like they're ganging up on her, um, feeling like they'd rather be with each other than with her. Um, and the, there's a very tricky way to try to write Rhea's relationship with their brother and with their best friend. Um, and also have there be that like implicit tension of, well, my brother and my best friend are dating and they're being kind of shitty to me sometimes. Um, independently and together. And it was a really tricky balance to try to strike. Um, it's just, it, it was, there was a lot of character stuff going on with the three of them. Um, and it doesn't lessen. It's just like that the whole way through the season. <laughs> but I think, I think the, the benefit of that tricky stuff was that it allowed for a lot of fun stuff with um, acting and recording and then probably for Haya directing. Mm-hmm. So many layers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have had so much fun with these scripts. You have no idea.